Hello, it's Richard Herring here. Welcome to my podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. And my stand-up tour is about to begin. Can I have my ball back? First stand-up tour in six years. Many of you just know me from the podcast. Don't know, I've done 14 or 15 stand-up tours in my own right. I'm a brilliant stand-up comedian. And can I have my ball back? I think it's my best show ever. That's what the audiences are saying. It's about testicular cancer, but it's funny because testicles are funny, even though cancer isn't. Uh, I'm really pleased with it. I'd love you to come and see it. Bring your friends. Some of the shows selling really well. Some of them selling really badly. It's a traditional Richard Herring tour. But here's where I'm going to be. 2nd of May, Thursday at the Luton Hat Factory. It's a small venue, but there are still tickets left. 3rd of May, I'm at the Berry Hedge End, which is near Southampton. That's looking more full, but still some availability. 8th of May, I'm at the Leicester Square Theatre. There's about 10 tickets left for that one, though I am back at the Leicester Square Theatre in June. And then I'm at St Albans on the 9th, Gloucester on the 10th. Chorley Little Theatre on the 11th, that's sold out, but you can join the waiting list. And then the 12th of May, I'm at Glasgow, afternoon show sold out. Evening show, extra show, put on, still with tickets. And then there's lots more. Go to richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs. And now enjoy whatever podcast I've given you. It's free. It's all for you. If you want to pay me back, buy a book, come and see a show. That's all I've got to say to you. Love you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another Rahalastaba Book Club. I am delighted to have read the wonderful Unruly by the equally wonderful David Mitchell, who joins me now. Hello, David. Hello. Uh, lovely to see you. I hope you're very well. I am. Thank you. Um, look, this book, I didn't quite know. I mean, I sort of knew what to expect to an extent, and then to an extent it should have been what I expected, but I didn't know how serious... It's, it's obviously a book about uh, the kings and queens of England, up yeah. to a certain point. Um, and I didn't know if it's, you know, a lot of comedians and comedy people are writing serious history books and sometimes they write comedy history books. And this is sort of both, but I think it, it skews more towards being an actual history book, I would almost argue. Well, I mean, I, I hope that it, it tells you the main things about the kings and queens of England and yeah. not just the things that have funny about them if you know what i mean and i, I was yes. not to be in the territory of how disgusting the loos were in the middle <laughs> ages or how uh you know or how weird the forms of execution or how that you know just all the, the gore and the poo uh because ultimately I, I i don't know i'm too old and boring to find that <laughs> funny anymore and i genuinely find the uh, dysfunctional nature of um uh, you know, of a form of government where, <laughs> where someone is arbitrarily in charge because of the family they're in, more funny than the disgusting ways they found to poo out of a castle and how naive they yes. were by a bacterial <laughs> infection. Um, yeah. Yes, that, well, it, it really does bring that home. I mean, it's obviously something most people will have questioned at some point, hopefully, about whether yeah. the royal family uh, is necessary or how it came about. But uh, this book really does sort of make you think about the the random nature of both of history and the royal family and the, uh, I would say, at least thuggish beginnings of, uh, of, that, of that institution. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, obviously, the, I've got no problem with the royal family at all. 
because what they're doing is, uh, you know, parading about and opening things and making supportive remarks at times of national crisis. And, and that's, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> what isn't, you know, so I, I'm, you know, I'm not a Republican. But at the same time, I think if they were still, you know, in charge to the extent that uh, the prime minister is, I think that really is a problem. And what I what I find, I think most people agree with that. And that's that's a mainstream view. And what I find funny is that in the Middle Ages, that, that's not what people thought. <laughs> they, they went along with it, with the idea of, a, of the person who is the king being the king. And that's and there's not much you can do about that. And they really found it difficult and upsetting when the king was terrible or foolish or greedy or angry and they thought well, what can you do he's the king and that's the system that's what god wants and the notion <laughs> that god wanted this uh had sort of been cooked up from nowhere you know that that's, yes. you know, even if you take it as a given that god exists which again is not necessarily the assumed view now but even if you did there was really no evidence that this definitely existing god had said uh, and this is how you should order your society. And in fact, yeah. I think most of the people who are convinced God exists now would claim that God was much more in favour of democracy and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it is interesting that it shows, I suppose, that human nature accepts what is placed before it. So the trick for the, for all of these uh, people was that the first ones who established this, once it had got a generation or two, you were just born into it and thought, Oh, this is how it is. Yes. <laughs> so we have to carry on. <laughs> yes, it's just a few people early on who thought, I'll tell you what I might start to put about is that you know how I tend to be in charge of my local area because I beat the crap out of anyone who disagrees with me. What I need to do to make this a little bit lower pressure on me as my as the arthritis builds up in my fist and I you know, I and I start to look askance at my head henchman who who reckons he could take me now. What I need to get across is the idea it's not just about me and my fists, but also that God thinks I should be in charge. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a big notion. It's a big ballsy notion. And some key people early on in history managed to make people go along with it. And so, as you say, then their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they go along with it as well. And so you have poor old Charles I, who's not um, uh, included in the book because it's after it ends. But poor old Charles I, absolutely convinced as anyone can be that he's supposed <laughs> to be in charge of everything, despite his yes. manifest failings. And he and he carried on thinking that right up to and past <laughs> the point where people chopped his head off for causing so much fucking trouble. And you just, you know, you've got to feel sorry for the guy. Well, yeah, but I think I sort of end up feeling sorry for all of them. In the same way, when you watch The Crown, you kind of think, oh, my God, these poor people stuck in yeah. this this awful kind of self-destructive thing where they can't love who they want, they can't do what they want. and But all the way through this, um, you just get people, I mean, it's all, all about family and families who hate each other and or, or are so desperate for power that they kill each other and seem unaware <laughs> that the same fate will almost certainly be waiting for them at the end of their reign, however long that ends up being. Yes. Now, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, the, 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 the failing, you know, the, the dysfunction of family dynamics under the context of great power is, you know, is, is made clear over and over again. Uh, but, you know, that, that, with that, it's just, it's just like succession, really. <laughs> Yeah, the, you know. well, they, they must believe it too. So it gets the point. Whoever came up with it probably didn't believe it and just used it as an excuse. But they believe it themselves, and it's hard to work out really with this. You know, having considered this, why, why they went, you know, why anyone sought it out? Because you would just think, then, then you know, you'd have a slightly nicer standard of living, and you might get people to do what you want. But the the the, the possibility of just being killed pretty suddenly and all your family being killed and everyone you love being killed seems to overweigh that to me to having a nice bit of venison every now and again or whatever i suppose i don't think then there were many people having what we call a nice relaxed affluent life i, don't, I no. think a section of society that is open to quite a lot of people now if they've got you know uh, you know nice place to live and they earn enough money they can have a night and they'd sort of think yeah i don't really see with my you know access to widescreen television and internet and holidays in the sun 
and uh, you know, and and um, nice meals out every now and again. I don't feel the need to be in charge of the whole country. <laughs> Most people think, but I suppose yeah. in that those days, even the richest lived a horrendously uncertain and uncomfortable life. There was no TV to watch, very few That's books true. to read. So you might as well, you know, just to pass the time. You might as well try and be the king, particularly if that seems to be the family business. You're not <laughs> no, gonna, actually, I, I, I think what I want to go off and do is write ballet, because well, those words mean nothing. Ballet hasn't been invented. <laughs> and so, David, uh, we'll talk about some of the issues in the book, uh, but and some of the uh, some of the fun in the book. What was it that? I mean, this is a big task to take on. And again, I wasn't until until, until I received the book. I had the PDF to begin with. Uh, I wasn't sure how chunky book is. It's a chunky book. There's a lot to go into it. I wasn't sure whether you were coming up to the present day. I was about halfway through thinking he's going to have to get a move on. He's going to get Queen Elizabeth II into this <laughs> when, I, when I had the PDF. Uh, but uh, what what was it that made you want to take this on? Because it seems to me like there's a there's a lot of research or a lot of knowledge in there, even to you've got to research each of these kings. And we're going back to the Anglo-Saxon kings as well at least a bit, to be able to write this book. You need to know a lot about English history. Why did you want to take this on? Well, I I mean, it's partly I'm a contrarian. I was supposed to do history as a student, and what I did then is comedy. Yes, me too. Now you're now (laughs) supposed to do comedy, obviously. I'm uh, (laughs) I'm hugely drawn to research and history, and that's just because I'm a difficult person. Uh, But... I, it was basically during the end. I spent most of the lockdown not writing anything and thinking, this would be a perfect time to write things. Why am I not writing anything? And I think that was, you know, a lot of people felt that. And then I read a great book called Germania um, by a chap called Simon Winder. And it's a, it's a quite funny, jokey, sort of really interesting, anecdotally anecdotal sort of history of Germany and the, the German area. And uh, and I loved it. And I loved how he wove in things from his own life and how I just chuckled a lot through it. And I usually, whenever I've done anything creative, it's because I'm trying to make another one of something I've liked. Right. So when I, I wrote sketches, because I liked the two Ronnies and Monty Python, that sort of thing. And I, and I thought, I like this book. I'd like to make my own. And, <laughs> I've spent a long time telling myself I'd write a, a brilliantly funny whodunit, uh, but actually I'm not going to do that because I don't know how. So uh, <laughs> I sort of feel I know a bit of history and I like yeah. it. I like the, the sort of, uh, it's a terrible word, but I do like the quirkiness of it. And I'm going to try and write something in this tone. Um, and because, you know, I'm not allowed out. So here I am with my computer. And I started typing basically about the Vikings. Because I thought it was, it reminded me of COVID, and I thought it was quite funny. Uh, you know, it wasn't funny at the time, but the idea you have this settled, relatively settled, but quite barbaric area of England, and then suddenly some Vikings started arriving with no yeah. warning and being absolutely horrible to everyone and nicking their stuff and killing them and pushing them over, and it, and they didn't. Nobody knew why it started. Nobody knew how to stop it, and it was pretty much like COVID. And I, I just sort of started typing a bit about what that was like, uh, or what I imagined that would be like. Yes. And then I took the story further forward, and uh, and and then I thought, well, actually, it doesn't make sense to start with the Vikings. I, I'll start when England kind of started. And just by for fun, really, I ended up typing about thirty thousand words, which took it up to William the Conqueror. Right, and I thought, well, this could. This is I've written an appreciable amount of a book, um, so publishers will believe I'll finish it. In a way, if it was a five hundred words treatment, they wouldn't. And so I thought, well, this is this is you know this is a nice position to be in. And I then you know approached some publishers and and uh, and wrote the rest of the book. But yeah. it was sort of the key third of it just sort of happened. From, from just trying to write about something I vaguely knew about in the same tone as this book I loved, uh, Jim yeah. I, I, I really, I, I mean, I wish all history books were like this. I am a fan of history books and I like serious history books. And, and this particular 
period of history is one that I've always, especially the uh, really early part, is one I've always struggled to get my head around. Uh, and it, and I've read quite a lot about it, but I forget it all. So it's, this is A, to get it digestible into <laughs> nice chunks, which explain the main points is good. But also, I think just the fun of you being, being obviously funny as you go, the digressions as you go. So, you know, there's sort of unexpected... Uh, analogies with modern day and there's you know you suddenly get angry about uh, the latest James Bond film for for a, quite a while which you don't get in many history books um, and, uh, I'm glad you saw that as a bonus because I said <laughs> there is no way having got on this tangent about the latest uh, disgraceful James Bond film I thought there's no way I'm cutting this out of the book we'll, we'll miss out <laughs> William the second rather than lose this bit uh, uh, who, who's going to miss William II? Uh, <laughs> the William II miss quite. It's I good though. But if I'd missed him out, I stopped before William III. Yeah. And, you know, if 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 you haven't got William III, then you're not going to spot there's a William II miss, really. <laughs> but you could make the argument that in government cuts, we should be removing some of these kings whose history is is so uninteresting. Yes, yeah, I mean it's it's sort of it, that you know that's one of the things that's great about it is you know is f- remembering or finding out about uh, things you didn't know about. I mean the 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 one with the that, that I'd never heard until I read uh, about this period for a while. And again, I I'm it's annoying because the stuff you do when you're eighteen or sixteen sticks in your brain forever and if you try as a 50 year old to learn about the middle ages you just find you read three books about it and then you've forgotten nearly everything that you've, you've <laughs> but there's the the younger king there's two kings running together i can't remember is it henry the younger king or edward the younger so it's one oh, of yeah. the he, he a king gets uh sort of coronated by his dad during his reign and yeah. they sort of rule together uh, and I'd forgotten about him uh, be, and, until I, I, you reminded me. But yeah, so it's it's but but I think you know you bringing in your personal life, your personal gripes, uh, and also what I like is uh, you're allowed to be, uh, it, yeah, in, you're allowed to be partial. You're allowed to say when you you very much do not like Edward the Confessor. I think it's fair to say, yeah. and uh, most yeah. historians. Most historians don't get the luxury of just being able to rag on one of the well, historical it, figures it, throughout their Edward, book. Edward the Confessor has projected down the ages this sort of image of a tremendously pious, thoughtful man. Yeah, and it, was, it, it was just he just decided he was very modern in a way. He just decided that's who I am. That's what I'm going to endlessly project on the equivalent of his Instagram, and that all the historians have bought it. That he, you know, that, and what he was was tricksy and weak and difficult and yeah. and i have no sympathy for the man at all uh, he, you know he, he he refused ever to have sex with his wife and yet that which is a tremendous domestic cruelty really when you think about her life devoted to this man she'd be barely touch her why is that uh, you know holy? <laughs> that's just <laughs> manipulative um so uh, yeah but also I, what i've found you know i do i've always liked history books i'm interested in history except except for a three-year period when the local education authority was paying for me to study it but, um uh, and but what i've always wanted to know is what happened before this thing and what happened afterwards i've never particularly wanted to know exactly the details of precisely why something was i'm, yeah. I'm a, very much a what happened next uh sort of <laughs> history fan and and i yes. hope this is a what happened next kind of history if you just want to know okay and then let's get through it okay there's magna carta i vaguely get the idea we could get into the total details of exactly what that meant but more interesting than that is what happened because of it just afterwards and yes. that's my approach so ho- hopefully if you want the in-depth stuff it's a thousand years of history so it's and it's only a 400 page book so you really need to read several other books <laughs> <laughs> you did, well i've I wonder, I think, I wonder if all history books were like this, and you know, certainly for younger people getting into history, but, and anyone really, it's much, it's, this is a much more interesting way of doing it. And then if you've, yeah, exactly, if you found something, I read a brilliant book about, or just a very interesting book about the white ship, I think it was by uh, Lady Diana's brother, I think it was by Earl Spencer. Yes, uh, I read uh, as well, that's very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you are interested in the white ship, which most people probably won't know about, but again, it's what I thought that, you know, there's a lot of, um, moments in history as, as this book shows just because people die 
so randomly, yeah. history would be very different in lots of different ways. But if, if there was a sliding doors moment in history, uh, it's uh, Stephen King Stephen being having the shits while the yeah. the white <laughs> white they should call it the you know that it shouldn't be sliding doors. It should be having the shits or uh, yes, while the, the white ships out liquid shit. <laughs> yeah, the white shit. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, so that you know that moment where the basically all of the nobility of England were wiped out apart from the man who had diarrhea and couldn't get on the ship, yeah. uh, all the young nobility, uh, is an absolutely fascinating moment of history. Uh, you cover it very well, but if you are interested in that, you can find another book about it and go, oh, this is all the stuff that happened. But I, I think that's, you know, given that's what this really sparked off on me, was thinking, you know, the randomness of yeah. of those moments of the people who could have been king and how things would have been different or if battles had gone slightly differently. I mean, if if the if Harold's soldiers hadn't run down the hill after William's soldiers yeah. on <laughs> at uh, the Battle of Hastings or if, I mean, if I just, the last one, I've just read the uh, King Henry VIII chapter, if, if Anne Boleyn had put out, yeah. um, it, it, that would be a very interesting alternative history of, of the UK that you would never get there. If she, it would be better for her, I think, if she put out, and it would have been better for it would have been different for the rest of us uh, yeah, no, had she put out. Essentially, her very her, the self respect she showed yes. as someone who wasn't willing to have a random affair with Henry VIII, yeah, basically caused the English Reformation and that yes. and the deaths of that. Now you can't blame her for, for that. <laughs> But it's an odd, it's an odd side effect of what you'd say if you were her friend or relative. You'd say you're quite right. Uh, <laughs> you're a you're a worthwhile person. If if Henry's serious about you, then then let him show it. Don't just be his bit on the side. But actually, as you say, for human history, if she just <laughs> gone along with that, she wouldn't have been beheaded, and you know neither would three hundred Protestants have been burned by Bloody Mary. That, yes, you know, butterflies' wings, isn't it? <laughs> but it's unimaginable what that you know that so that one person's decision in history. It's unimaginable uh, what would have yeah. what the world would have turned out like. And you know, and and but and that's sort of the interesting thing about Hitler the, uh, history. And Hitler, uh, it always comes back to Hitler. The interesting thing about history. Hitler is not really mentioned. In the <laughs> it doesn't get a mention. That's what I was surprised about. Um, and. Uh, you know the the long long shanks and Scotland the, the the his decision to go after Edward's decision to go after the Scottish yeah. you know the repercussions that we have as a result of that one man's stupid decisions yeah uh, is is you know is extraordinary but if he hadn't done it something else would have happened and it might have been worse it might have been better so it's you know it, it's those sort of what ifs of history are sort of pointless in a sense but uh, but there it is fascinating how. Because I think again, with kings and queens, you think, oh, you still have an idea that they were they were meant to be there, or that there was a reason behind it, or that they were in control. And I think when you really just look at it, you know, from a slight distance, you go, yeah, none of this, all of this is just a load of random shit. Someone died of food poisoning or dysentery and changed the course of human history. It's uh, it's uh, crazy. The difference of how death worked in that society it is, yeah. is, is really weird and it, i remember somebody saying uh, there was a good program on radio four about about statistics and of saying how basically the elderly nowadays are looked after but better really than they have been at any point in history and yet we feel now that the elderly are in an unfortunate position care homes are, are under pressure this sort of thing. and and one of the reasons for that is that now old people have a near monopoly on death and so rather than that, what being old used to represent in the Middle Ages was being a survivor. It represented yes. life. You're someone who cheated death. You weren't one of the many people who died in childhood or in uh, middle age. You, you, you're, you know, you are. You represent life. Now the notion of being old represents death, and it's obviously it's a side effect of something very good that we have much longer life expectancy. It does mean that all the deaths seem to cluster in, in the older generation. <laughs> Yes, and, you know, we're, but throughout the period covered by the book, somebody could just—they seem absolutely fine—and then they're anywhere <laughs> at any age at all, and then just they are suddenly dead, yes. either in a day or in three months. Like Edward the Fourth, very good king, very effective, not a great diet, and he just suddenly got really ill and realised I've got about three weeks to live. He tried to write a will, 
that none of it worked out. It, it was just randomly eclipsed. And it still, yes. it still happens, but it happens much, much more rarely. But they yeah. live with it all the time. And obviously, that's why they tried to say, oh, no, it's all God. This isn't a terrifying, crazy, painful world where at any moment everything could be taken from you, either by war or famine or plague. No, no, this is part of a plan too intricate and amazing for us to fully understand. And yes. you know, it's, it's sort of human nature to sort of cling to some sense of order and um uh, you know, out out of that chaos, and, and we yeah, can and in chaos more because actually we enjoy more of more of an ordered society. Yes, and the thing I hadn't really thought about, which again this book made me think about, was the primogeniture is kind of a ridiculous way to rule in a lot of ways. Obviously, just going the oldest kid will be the best, and is obviously yeah. not the case. But yeah. it's it's actually in in those circumstances, and in 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 a in a world where if there was any conflict over it, it would create a lot of problems it's actually better just to know who it's going to be <laughs> even if they turn out to be horrible evil and terrible it's still better than having an argument about who's yeah, going to come the, next the argument is definitely <laughs> the, the few years of argument is much much worse than the several decades of suboptimal government <laughs> yes <laughs> so it's you know it's it's interesting how it did work and it obviously and but it's it's interesting to me again again not having really thought about it how many years of it not really working in fact as the book ends i think we sort of come into uh, henry the 8th and elizabeth the the first who are, are pretty successful monarchs and uh, are pretty good monarchs up to up to an extent but they they it's sort of they come at exactly the right time in order to make the uk and england the force that it became but any any of the previous kings really and <laughs> queens or any of the previous times it they it, you know there was there wasn't the stability or the or the knowledge uh, to to really get there so those those guys luckily sort of taking over arguably the tudors uh, mm. came at the right time for us even if henry the 8th did some things that uh, would would escalating the difficulties it, I, it feels like with the, the Tudors, they're very it, because they were quite a random family to end up with the throne. They weren't really yeah. that royal, and they were quite lucky. And they do, even though they put out a lot of royal uh, imagery, it feels like they do more understand that this is quite a small family business. Yes, what, what Elizabeth the First in particular, she really manages her outgoings and doesn't try and start too many wars. She hasn't got any of Edward the Third or Henry the Fifth's sort of glorious attempts to conquer it's just like no let's keep try and stay within budget try not to (laughs) annoy too many people look like you're doing your best to be a protestant monarch and not you know and be on side with the other protestant monarchs but we we, let's not get too big for our boots and it's you know you could sort of say that comes from them knowing that they're not really anointed by god at all they're just a family that got given the keys to the kingdom by luck and that, yes. that sort of slight sense of sort of bourgeois mediocrity probably saved the country from another few random wars. Whereas for the hundred years before, they all seem to reckon they can conquer France. And you sort of yeah. go, well, how's that going kind of, France is massive. <laughs> you know, just, it's just give up. You know, it's, it's like constantly trying to dig a pond where the water drains too well. It's just you keep putting the water in, and in this case the water is money and soldiers and, you know, and it just, you just look away and it's gone dry. This is not a place for a pond. You can't run France from London. That's it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, but I think that most of them, they sort of think, no, well, I'm anointed by God. I'm a bit magic. I can do anything. <laughs> In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts. It is, you know, it's, it is, you're right, the, the funniness of it, as well, as well as you do. I mean, you, you're almost, as you say, I think you're almost contractually obliged to make j- jokes about Canut, King Canut. Yes. Uh, though you avoid making jokes about Clito. You don't do any clips, uh, yes. clip jokes. Yeah. So we weren't well done for stepping away from that one. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, <laughs> there are lots of funny, rude and silly things, but, it, but you, what this book does really excellently, I think, is, just show the as you do when you do political stuff about now, but it, with from the from the distance, it just shows the the utter ludicrousness of the whole the whole of society and everything that everyone's doing is pointless and stupid. Uh, and uh, yeah, exactly why the why the war why they're trying to fight wars why fighting for this this sort of poison chalice uh, and uh, yeah why did people. Basically, except mainly, except it is. It is sort of in the peasants' revolts. Very interesting that yeah. that there was a that there was this moment where there might have been revolution, but they still basically had respect for the king, so it it, it didn't happen. That's um, the moment you sort of see a slight glimmering of something egalitarian or even socialist in yeah. some of the language, and as you say, and then they they definitely hate the aristocracy and lords and all that, they, they reckon those are just parasites, but they haven't quite got to the point of also hating the king. And it's still all about the king is badly advised, the king is a good person, if he, if he just could hear our grievances, he'd help. At this point, the king is an extremely spoilt child, and he absolutely would not help at all. He would find them revolting. I mean, you know, they were revolting, but he'd find them revolting in every sense. Just to redo that joke that's been done a thousand times, um, uh, but uh, but they but they still believe in him, and that's because I suppose you've got to believe in something because otherwise it is just a sort of chaos of mud yeah, and disease. Yeah, I mean, it's all but makes me very happy. Metal. I live now, uh, and <laughs> and almost I can't think of any time, uh, even the nineteen fifties. I don't think I'd like to live in. But uh, it's sort of it's 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 incredible how yeah, just how basic and unpleasant and awful life must have been for most people it's sort of interesting i mean a lot of people have tried to write histories about you know especially nowadays trying to trying to find the history of the normal people or of people who are left behind by history so it's an interesting choice to go to um the kings in a way and the monarchs in a way because obviously that's but but i guess it's easier as well because <laughs> there's some history <laughs> Not yeah, because they've left all of the records. Um, so it's, yeah. you just you, we just know more about them. Uh, and uh, and I'll be <laughs> yeah. honest, it is, but me, it, it's much it, re- it really is interesting. And like, yeah. you know, I'm not a royalist. I I don't I don't really certainly see the need for the royal family now. And I, and I don't think it's very fair on on them. I think they have a pretty horrible time. Um, but uh, but yeah, it does. It is really fascinating. And it's got, I guess and in, 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 you do touch on this as well, but history itself is the things that get remembered in history are nearly always things that didn't actually happen you talk about uh, alfred burning the the cakes which is probably something that didn't happen but is but also why like you say but yeah. that's just a really boring story <laughs> but that's the thing most people would uh, his life if most people said what's what did he do if they go he burnt the cakes and that's really what he's remembered for so uh yeah. that's and it didn't happen and and as you say it's it's boring. So history is such an interesting, you know, interesting thing in that the, the, the way some stories stick and why they stick and 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 what they represent. It's uh, genuinely the thing I first remember being told about the Vikings was that they didn't have horns yes. on their helmets, and I and I and I found it annoying then, and I find it annoying now. 
uh, because it's such a brilliant image, the, the Viking with the helmet horns. And, it, and uh, it's, it sort of, it deserves to be true. Right? And, and I feel it's metaphorically true. It's a sort of greater poetic insight into what the Viking was than any image of them without the horns on the yes. helmet. And, and I would be, I'm not so, you know, in this post-truth age, let's, <laughs> let's enjoy ourselves a bit and just give the Vikings those yes. horns. Um, I also like, um, there's a lot about Simon de Montfort. It was always a, a character that uh, Stuart and I found amusing. Uh, although he isn't very, he isn't very, we always, we always talked about him for a lot. I like the fact you just, you just start calling him SDM. I, I enjoy that rather than writing it out. So it shows you, it shows you <laughs> hit your word count. Uh, and, uh, the, the story of his demise, uh, where his, uh, head and testicles, uh, is that right? It's, it's him, isn't it? It's, it's sent to by Roger Morton. Balls yeah. Arranged, his, his, his balls were arranged over yeah. his head. Head chopped off, balls chopped off. I, I, I think, I don't know what happened to the penis. Um, but, uh, and, and they were draped. And then the guy, one of the guys that won the battle, sent this to his wife as a sort of, I don't know, as a, as a sexy offering, as, you know, a sort of. <laughs> Uh, this is what I've been. Why I've been so busy with it. <laughs> you this, said I'd never you know. amount to anything. Here it is. Yeah. I told you it would work out. And it's and it's odd because particularly around then, they're all says around the time of uh, Henry the Third and Edward the First. They're so pious. They're really <laughs> religious people. And they really buy the whole anointed thing, and they're really into their religion, uh, which to the extent that they're enthusiastic anti-Semites. And that, you know, so, so in this, in the mid of all this piety, the, the sudden sending of head and testicles, you sort of go, the, the, isn't that a clash? <laughs> but you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't for them. It wasn't a tonal clash between all the God and Jesus is wonderful yeah. stuff to saying this person who's wrong. It, it's, it's, it's all part of that to send their. Uh, their genitals and, and yeah, head, to uh, your to, own wife. I mean, if it, uh, would it been yes. if it had been Simon de Montfort's partner, would that have been worse? I mean, it would have been, but it's sort of a, as you as you make the point, it is an odd thing to receive uh, and to try and yeah. interpret. But maybe maybe yeah. she understood. Maybe they had a secret understanding of what that meant between the two of them. Um, the the ball straight. It's a it's a it's an ignominious end to to. Uh, you know, a life of ups and downs. He wasn't a very nice person in, in by modern standards, but yeah. uh, but it had a university named after him. So, well, I'm not sure. I mean, he was a prominent figure associated with the Leicester area, although definitely not in any sense from the Leicester area. Uh, I, I don't know quite how. I mean, they really haven't got beyond the Ladybird book on Simon de Montfort. <laughs> Uh, great to name the university after. It also slightly implies that maybe he founded the university when, in fact, it was hundreds of years yes. later. But it, he founded it. You sort of go, okay, well, maybe, you know, he can call it after himself. And um, But to actually name it after someone who was that, you know, let's say that much of a complicated <laughs> man. <laughs> seems, uh, seems well, and I like the fact that you talked about the, there, there were like seven Simon de Montforts or something in a row, right? By far the, which is a weird, that's a weird thing to do, isn't it? To name, I mean, people still do it to name, George Foreman named all of his sons George Foreman and then had to, d- and then he had to give his, give them nicknames to differentiate <laughs> between them. Uh, but uh, he had about eight oh, sons. Somebody needs to explain <laughs> that they get the large part of them automatic. Yes. So that that sense of them belonging to your family that that's all the system has factored that in. And now what you need to do is come up with the names so that you can refer to them individually. Yes, that doesn't explain. I'm calling them all George Foreman, but then oh no, it turns out I do need the extra name. What you're calling the nickname George Foreman? <laughs> that's the name. You're calling the name. That's the surname, and that's you know. Uh, but yes, I always find it odd when people uh, call their children, give them their yes. names. It feels like it's a, an attempt at immortality, attempt to sort of. But leak it doesn't work because their... the final Simon de Montfort didn't have a have a son, so the Simon de Montforts <laughs> passed away. There's no current Montfort, so there was no Simon de Montfort around to be a nice liberal <laughs> academic 
hadn't actually found that yeah. university in a way that would have made sense for it to be yeah. named after him. But I was reading about W.H. Smith uh, the other day, so I wrote a blog about W.H. Smith, and the original W.H. Smith died like two months after W.H. Smith started, but then his sons were called W.H. Smith, but with the d- different names, but their initials are W.H. Smith. So I guess that in that sense... W.H. Smith carried on. That was it's maybe do the initials if you want to do it because then everyone can feel their W.H. Smith, but it's sort yeah. of weird if yes, you're it, all the same name Smith. Yeah, that, that's a more moderate <laughs> way of being a cross generational narcissist. Yeah. Just I just went with my initials. Um, loads, there's loads of enjoyable uh, analogies with with the present day. You compare Henry the Third to Macaulay Culkin. Um, I enjoy that. Uh, I enjoyed, I've just read the, about Joan of Arc, uh, who you describe as doing a reverse Savile, which I think is uh, <laughs> it's, it's rather lovely. Uh, but it does. But those things do like. Re- I mean, they they're funny, but they really work as a way of you know bringing to life what actually happened. I think as well. So if someone is actually, you know, I think this is a great present to give someone studying history because. You know, you sort of want the basics in there, and then you can, as you say, we can do more work around that. I don't think anyone doing a university degree in Anglo-Saxon history should only read this book. <laughs> but, I would be very interested if anyone would like to do that experiment and just only read this half a book about the Anglo-Saxons and see if they could get a degree from that alone yeah. and what came to them from there. General it, life would, and, it wouldn't be. I, it I, wouldn't be far off what I did. I think I nearly did that experiment for my history degree. I, I almost read one book. <laughs> my, mine was the history of the, the later Middle Ages by I forget his name. I shoplifted the history of the later the Middle Ages. So I got into Richard the, the Richard and the Lollards, whichever Richard that was. The second yeah. was it, uh, and uh, I can't even remember now. But I I suddenly had an interest. I read one book, but it was a. It was one proper history book. So, yeah, we'll try. Let's let's do an experiment. I'm going to have one of my children sent to university to do history, uh, but only allow them to read your book and see how they do. That, that, I'd, be, I'd love to see how that <laughs> went. And then afterwards, if they do get a decent degree, then we could discuss how, why that university should then be closed. <laughs> It'll be DeMontfort University. I'll send them to DeMontfort University <laughs> to, to do that. Um, I do, hopefully... When I, because I find the bits of history that I think are the, the funny side of it, I, I find it easier to remember. Yes. But I, I sort of, I think about Henry the Second and how he couldn't get on with his sons or his wife. The, the funny side of that makes it memorable. Yes. Um, uh, and you know, the, the you know, I, but genuinely, I find Simon de Montfort easier to remember for the fact of him being, you know, not a nice liberal founder of parliament, but a, a, a religious extremist and anti-Semite and warmonger. It, that, that funny contrast between his reputation in Victorian eyes and who he really was is memorable. Yeah. Uh, if there's nothing funnier about a, a king, that, that's, it's harder to remember who they were and why they I think that's every, you know, I think yeah. that in, in all these things, and a lot of comedians have ended up writing books and some of them are more serious than others and about serious subjects or academic subjects. But I think just inject it, and some of them are uh, deliberately funnier than others, uh, and some of them are actually quite serious. But I think just by injecting that, you know, it's making it entertaining. I can imagine, like, fusty academics being annoyed with you for writing this book, even though I think you are quite a fusty academic as well. <laughs> so there's only just a, d- a degree. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. you know, it does, it, it re- absolutely means you're engaged and it's fun. So, if, you know, if, if there's a little digression about what, what you're up to at the or <laughs> something that's happened to you in amongst this history, then I think it, uh, it really helps um, cement it. I still can't remember any of the names of the Anglo-Saxon kings, though, so it, has, it hasn't worked yeah, or what they did. It's just all, all Ds, Rs, A's <laughs> yeah. and E's. It's, it's like the, the noise of a thousand years of sneezing. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, I don't know... Um, but, uh, but the thing as well about the anglo is that they, you know, the, for a long time, the his, historians told us that there were seven Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, this heptarchy, and they were just, they didn't know. That was what, at the end of the Anglo-Saxon age, that was what vaguely existed. But this, uh, the historians for a long time sort of said, yeah, the Anglo-Saxons came and they set up seven kingdoms. 
They go, no, no. What they, they came and they sort of stole land from the people who were there already. They were too superstitious to even live in any of the Roman towns that had yes. been built because they thought that wasn't safe. Maybe they had a, it was a sort of, they had a sort of premonition of the issue with Britain's schools today. <laughs> they thought that's not, that hasn't been properly maintained. The budget hasn't been there. Uh, maybe that's going to be the next stage of our civilization. <laughs> we abandoned buildings because they're no longer yeah. safe. But that's what the Anglo-Saxons did, and they just hung around, picked fights with each other, and then after <laughs> ages of that kind of horrible chaos, there were seven kingdoms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's amazing the UK turned out to be as successful as it briefly was, <laughs> but maybe not so amazing. Maybe understandable now that we're we're sort of <laughs> sliding down the hill uh, back towards back towards uh, the uh, dark ages as, that we're not allowed to call them anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's look, it's a really, I mean, it, it's a really entertaining book. It's a really funny book, and I think you will learn stuff, you know. And, and I I thought Richard Richard of York gives battle in vain i thought that was richard the third i'd got confused him i got because he's the son of york he's the son of york i thought they were the same person and yeah. so that the book has reminded me that they are in fact richard of york gave battle in vain is a different richard of york than richard of york well i mean I, I, that's that's what i think but it's, i mean all we have is richard of york <laughs> just those yeah. letters so it could be that could, could be me. Could be me because I'm from Pocklington, which is near York. It could be I have given battle in vain. Yeah. To be fair, throughout my life, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it as myself. Yeah. It could be you, but then again, if it's you, then we have no way of remembering the rainbow before you were That's born. That's true. So similarly, if if uh, Richard III, if people wanted to remember the rainbow for the twenty or thirty years between the Richard of York and Richard yeah. III, then they'd have to do it thinking of the previous one giving battle <laughs> yeah. in vain. There's probably always been a Richard giving battle in vain. That's probably always put there just in case. Um, it, there may have been a red wolf uh, of Yeovil giving uh, battle yes. in vain. Uh, good work. In case people need to remember the rainbow there. Good work. Um, look, it is a trivia book. Uh, I ask everyone, if you are you reading anything you'd like to recommend? Or have you read anything recently you'd like to recommend that isn't your own work? I I am at the moment. I'm reading, very much enjoying uh, Gorky Park. Oh wow! Uh, um, the 1980, I think, thriller of, about uh, the Soviet yes. Union, which because uh, I've just got back from holiday, and that was the last of my pile of nice, appetising holiday Great. thrillers. I've also before that, I was reading a a, a May Gray. I love the okay. May Grays. Um, so, uh, and before that, I read a book about the English Civil yes. War. Uh, which is called the Siege of Loyalty House, which is a bit more of a proper history yeah. book. More in it's, it's only about the English Civil War, and it's a whole book about that. So that's more in depth than okay. mine. So doing an English, uh, doing a history degree and reading that would be cheating. Okay, yeah, but we won't let, allow anyone to do that. And I know you sort of give reasons at the end why you're stopping uh, with Elizabeth I and uh, and you yeah. know and uh, and the changes. Are you going to attempt to bring us up to date with an, with another volume of this with the rest of the kings and queens? I, I've, I certainly, I, I quite like the idea of doing another one, but I don't know whether I would stick so rigorously to being king and queen right. focused because I think that's the thing you it doesn't really, you know. I mean, obviously, it's it's only many serious historians would say that it was an absolute, you know, it's an assault on their profession that I was so king or queen-focused in this book. But to do it after 1603 gets increasingly yeah. ridiculous. And obviously, you know, now, you know, I don't think writing the life of Charles III really tells the story of uh, the times we're living in now. I'd, would, I'd so. love to see you do it, though, David. That's the, <laughs> I, was thinking, when I was thinking, I didn't know where, what, where, how far you were going to go. I thought, I can't wait to see what he says about Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, but, uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it, at the distance, I think, as well, you do make the, the point that uh, the kings and queens sort of not uh, are less at the centre of everything, I suppose, if, and sort of less relevant than to... Once Shakespeare comes along, we have uh, other people who are who are pushing history and art onwards. Uh, but uh, yeah, it would be it would be nice to see you su sum up uh, King Charles III while he's still on the throne. So you you better be quick because it's not going. It can't be long. It can't be long. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what you've just said is treason. <laughs> it's a sort of threat, isn't it? It's sort of like it won't be long, Charles.
None of my plans, not me and Prince Harry's plans come to fruition. <laughs> like <laughs> to raise an army against them. I mean, they don't have that. At least you know they they might have, they might not be able to marry who they love, and they might have horrible times. But they don't have to fight armies armies of their stepbrothers. Yes, which is nice. No, exactly. They have a yeah much easier ride. Some difficulties with fountain pens, but not not some. No one's <laughs> trying to fire an arrow. Well, I say no. And obviously, he has huge security, and I'm sure lots of terrorists would try and get an arrow into his eye if they could get that through the metal. Yeah, detector. well, good luck to them, is what I say. And, um, well, that's, that's, I, do, I do not wish good luck to attempt the assassins of the sovereign. I just, that's, okay, well, we differ on that. We will we'll agree to differ on that. Uh, and, uh, no, I, you know, I'd like... I, Charles seems okay, but um, yeah. you know, it'd be better if he was... if we didn't have a king. Yeah. Um, so... I will leave it there. Thank you, David, for joining us. That was uh, that was really interesting. And thank you to Chris Evans and uh, Ben Evans. And do go and buy. I'm sure you will anyway. Unruly. There's an audio book, presumably, David. Have you read? Have you done? Yeah. Which I have read. Yeah. How was that? Did you enjoy reading your own workout for 400 pages? Yeah. I, I, I well, part some of it I enjoy. Some of it I worried about. But in gen- the great thing about reading it out is you're not trusting the reader to get the sentences that is right. True. This is how it should be read. You put the stress on this word. <laughs> yes. I mean, you have to do it. There's no way you can go, I'm going to get somebody else in to do this one. It has to be David Mitchell reading it. I mean, it's so much in your it's so much in your voice anyway. It almost doesn't need – you could just put the audio book – you could put the book in the studio and the book would basically just read itself. It's, it's so in your voice. Well, I, can, I can get Rob Brydon to do <laughs> Rob it. <laughs> Very good impression of me. And it's, it's more of a voiceover professional. That's true. Am, so. well, maybe, maybe we maybe you should do two versions, and people could choose which one they want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, David. Really lovely to see you again. We'll see you soon, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, see you bye. soon. Thanks. Cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Thanks for listening. Do come and see me on tour. RichardHerring.com slash gigs is the easiest way to find out where I'm going. And GoFasterStripe.com. You can buy books and downloads. And just tell your friends about the podcast. If you can't make it to the tour show, if you don't want to buy any products, then every time you listen to an advert, you're helping us make more podcasts with a very, very tiny micro payment. So thank you very much for that. I love you all. It's lovely to meet you on tour, by the way. Hello to everyone who's said hello so far. I do come and say hello after the show if you if enjoyed it, if you want to see me. That'd be nice. You can get a selfie. I don't care. I'm a selfie whore. All right, see you soon.